0: Fitness Pro Mentors Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the show. Today, I'm super excited because marketing is one thing that I'm super passionate about. You have to become a good marketer to grow your business, and we are committed to helping you 2-3x to your in-person practice. But one of the things, if you are a good marketer, that you also need to have is sales. And as such, I'd like to reintroduce, but more of a training rather than a chat, Mr. Mario Mavridis. Mars, how are you doing today?
1: <laughs> hey, buddy. Great to be here. Thank you for having me again. Um, you know, always so excited to spend any time with you and talk about things. You've had some so many great uh, guests on the show uh, in the past few months. Uh, I can only hope to live up to them. Uh, as best as possible, but yeah, man, I, I'm I'm glad to be here, and and always great to work with you again. It's it's it's, it's wonderful. I'm so happy. I'm so happy. Yeah. Well, Mary- just wish I, I, I just wish I were in studio with you. That's all. That was yeah. fun.
0: Yeah, no, no. And we will have you out here again. And so anyone that's listening to this or watching this, uh, Mario is my original fitness mentor in many senses from an exercise perspective, business perspective. So please, um, we won't talk too much about that today. We did a whole episode talking about Mario, the natural mentor. And I think it's a great episode. Um, So definitely go check that in the guys section of the Facebook group or back on Spotify. But uh, Mr. Mario, are we going to dance like nobody's watching?
1: Aren't we? (laughs) Apparently there it is. (laughs) Yes, we are. (laughs) So just so everybody knows, I recently moved into a place temporarily out in Calgary. I'm in Calgary now and uh, moved from Toronto. And this is the place I moved into just for six months. And that was on the wall. So, hey, enjoy.
0: (laughs) I'm super excited to dance
1: with you, Mary. Super excited. (laughs) I'm looking forward to it, Brad. Thank you. (laughs) And
0: uh, Mario is one of the few people who introduced me to Knives Cigars and got me thinking about scotch and whiskey. And so I'd actually picked up a nice bottle of scotch, but we're we're settling. What do you got there? You
1: got Gretzky? I got a little Gretzky, a little uh, 99 uh, maple cask. Really great, but surprisingly good. Uh, Sweet, but it's I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it.
0: And I got triple distilled Irish whiskey Jameson because that's always just a classy one and a good fun one. So
1: (laughs) there we go. So, hey, Mario. To cheer, cheers to you my friend let's let's uh, get it off right cheers cheers enjoy. to you
0: cheers everybody please have some whiskey and join us so let's kick this whole thing off Yeah. one of the things I would say that you have done an exceptional job of is that and you were telling me through your messages but I actually didn't know all your numbers I knew some of them for person meetings, but things have really changed a lot that you have had consistent six figure 100k plus all the way up to $330,000 closing months And I think that that's absolutely insane, (laughs) first and foremost. But that being said, it clearly indicates that you have built some incredible skill around sales. You may have volume coming in, but even if you have that volume coming in, you still have some systems, some tactics, and some, hopefully, processes in place that have helped you take all the opportunities and translate that to income. So I'd love to talk more about what it is that makes you such a lethal closer.
1: Perfect. Well, thank you. Uh, and yes, we put some put up some big numbers over the years. Um, and one of the points of pride uh, I have, and I, I I say this is every facility I've ever been to, whether it's a national chain or independent uh, store anything anything like that, every single one, I've broken the sales record every single time. Usually within the first within the first three months for certain. Usually in the first month or two. And there's there's many techniques to do that, but. You mentioned that you mentioned volume and I think it's really important to discuss volume um, volume is extremely important however most of the chains the, the big gym chains will tell you that they look to take in to convert ten percent of the of the people they speak to okay so ten percent so one in ten the, the thinking being here that you bring somebody in off the street you give them a week of training of sales and then you just you just plow them with, with leads and with, uh, with walk-ins, and they're going to close one out of every 10. And that's acceptable for, for most facilities, um, you know, the big chains, um, which is great because you can still put up big numbers, but eventually those leads start to run out for whatever reason, uh, market pressures, um, things become stale. The facility is, it, it, it has stabilized the numbers, the new traffic isn't coming in that, that initial impulse of, um, uh, influx rather of new members. It's just not there. So it's stable, it, it stabilizes. So how do you maintain those numbers, which are often expected? Well, then you have to increase your closing ratio, right? So for every. And that's what we're going to talk about. But what's really important is taking a step back. And anybody who's trying to master sales needs to understand a few key points. You have to have your critical numbers down pat. you got to know your critical numbers. What do I mean by critical numbers? Okay. Well, starting from the top, how many people do you need to speak to in order to generate a lead? Number one. Then from there, How many leads do you need to speak to in order to generate an appointment or a consultation or an initial meeting? Great. How many of those people who you generated a lead with are actually going to show up to that appointment? So your show percentage. So you've got your your booking percentage and your show percentage. Now, of your show percentage, how many of those are you going to close? That's the key. So when you know those numbers, now you can start to figure out how many people do you need to have in your pipeline at any given time to hit your targets. You know, if you're sorry, and also further, you're going to need your dollar per agreement, how much uh, what your typical agreement size is as well. Okay, so if you have a budget where, you know, my budget this month or my target this month is is $10,000, great. And if your average package is $2,000, well, then you're going to need to sell five packages. Okay, and I'm just picking easy numbers. I'm not saying those are good numbers, just easy numbers. Sure. Uh, okay, so if you reverse it, and as an example, so reverse engineer it, so you need to sell five people. Okay, if your closing percentage is 10%, then you need to see uh, you, you need to see 50 people. You need to speak to 50 people in order to close those te- those five. Yeah. Now, if your show percentage is, say, industry average 60 to 70%, well, then you do the math and you figure out how many people you actually have to book. So now you're booking uh, roughly 80 people, 80, 83 people, something like that. Okay. Of those 83 people that you booked, how many did you have to speak to originally and that might be a hundred that might be 200 that might be 300. It depends on your um, it depends on, on, on your audience and exactly what, what you're pitching and what you're selling but you see what I'm saying you own from 200 people to five in order to um, in order to, to get those five deals those five packages right. So that's the thing. You know, everybody thinks, oh, it's only five. Yeah, but you've got to talk to 200 people to get those five. Yeah. And that's, that's where most people don't, they kind of miss the mark. And they just go blindly. But when you know your critical numbers, you can keep yourself on track.
0: That's interesting. So on that critical number thing, I mean, so I talk about two key elements in our marketing program where you need to at all times, regardless of how vast your system is, you need audience growth strategies and then conversion strategies and audience growth, in my opinion, being marketing outreach, how much inbound traffic and outbound traffic do you have? And then how are you moving them over to sales? So I mean, regardless of what you're doing, if you're a solopreneur fitness person or if you're talking about like at these larger fitness clubs where you're overseeing a big team, it's kind of the same thing. It's just uh, not so much necessarily marketing, but perhaps just conversations. How many people do you need to talk to and how many of those people are going to come in the door? And if they come in the door, how many are going to close? And if you know those numbers,
1: you can reverse engineer. Exactly. That's that's exactly that's all it is. It's just know your numbers. And, and. you know, knowing your market, knowing your demographic is extremely important, of course. This is just one part of it. Yeah. This, this is the mechanics. This is understanding, okay, step by step by step, what do I need to do to fill this funnel? You know, we always, everybody talks about the sales funnel or the vortex or whatever you want to call it. You have to constantly have people filling that in. And this is why. Because th- that, that distillation process is, is, is really, really important so then you start to look at where when you know those numbers then you can start to look at where your your sales process is breaking down or where you need to focus your attention so if you're getting those two three hundred people in outreach because your marketing team is doing a bang-up job awesome you don't need to worry about that okay but if you're talking to 200 people and you're only and you're only booking 30 people Well then, there's something wrong in that booking process. So now you hammer down, you drill down into that process to understand why am I not converting people to appointments? So it might that's that's where maybe your scripts are wrong. Maybe your your copy isn't working. Maybe your offer isn't great. Okay, so you need to look at all of those things, and then in doing that, you can start to analyze. So like that's the one step. Okay, so then we go from bookings into um, shows. Okay, so if people aren't showing up to their appointments, this is something that's endemic. I know typically I've worked with a show percentage, uh, uh, sorry, a no-show percentage of minimum 25%, minimum 25%. So you book, you, know, you book 10 people in the day, two, three are not going to show. That's just a reality for whatever reason. Um, okay, so how do you work on that? Okay, so now you develop strategies to work on that. Maybe there's confirmation calls, confirmation emails, automated text messages, automated emails, whatever that system you use, just to remind people. Although my personal favorite, and I'm a little old school in this regard, is a phone call with a real person saying, hey, I'm really looking forward to seeing you. You know, I set that time aside for you. A little guilt goes a long way, right? And that's what it is. Okay, so then your show percentage is taken care of. Now it's the it's the pitch. Now if you have the person in front of you, how is your pitch? What are you closing at? If you're closing at 10%, I would say you're doing the bare minimum. I like to see closing percentages in, up in the 30s and even 40% percentiles, right. okay? And if someone's come and sat in front of you, they're taking the time, they're interested. They're making that effort. So they're a captive audience. So you need to be able to present the information in such a way that, it, that your value proposition, which we spoke about previous in the last interview, last discussion, either, um, is undeniable. That's the hard part. That's the hard part because there's a lot of, you know, a lot of misinformation out there, a lot of confusion, a lot of outright lies Mm-hmm. in marketing, particularly in fitness marketing, mm-hmm. you know, and and there's a lot of, people believe what they want to believe. So you have to cut through all that. So for example, uh, literally before I came on this call, like literally before I dialed in, I did a close. I was literally did a close with someone. Um, uh, she lives in Vancouver. Uh, we chatted, I talked to her about what, uh, how, what, our, what our system is, how we work. And and I got a little bit into the physiology, just understanding the, the mechanisms, the how, the why. Why am I recommending you know three times a week for a year with a trainer, as opposed to you know a three month or tw- a twelve week fat loss or weight loss program? And I explained all this. To which I said, "Oh my goodness, I never thought of it that way. I didn't know that was the case." And this is where you, your pitch, your presentation becomes undeniable okay so using evidence-based approach this is where the science comes in you know using evidence-based approach presenting information in such a way that is easily palatable to a non-fitness non-science person non-physiology person so they can understand that what you're trying to do is take them out of that loop of of attempt and failure attempt and failure which is so endemic in our industry why do so many people fail? Well, they don't do the right things. <laughs> That's why. They just don't, you know? Yeah. I remember, I remember years ago, um, this other fellow, one of, one of my um, uh, influence, oh, someone had a big influence on me, a, a fellow by the name of Charles Staley. He said, um, you know, most people who go to a gym spend their time on treadmills and ellipticals. Sure, that's, that's, I could, that's changing, but this was also 20 years ago, right? So, that, that, but back then, it was predominantly the case. Most people go to the gym, what's the busiest section? Well, it's the treadmills. it's the cardio section, the cardio theater. And he said, well, okay, so that's what most people do. Yet, we know that statistically speaking, most people fail at a gym. So, therefore, why would you do what most people do? You know, if you want to be successful, do something different. And that's where, that's where I've always had my successes.
0: So question for you, I would love to ask you because, so for us at Strata here, we have a low amount of leads, but then relatively speaking, but the quality of leads we get are really high. So we have like an 80 to 90% close rate, depending on the given month, because most people based off of our marketing and our presence are pre-sold on what we do. I think we've done a good job of at a, a level that any lead quality can understand can understand what it is that we do for them. And then when we come in, we, we science them. On a larger scale for you, when you're in a facility where there is so many different demographics, you regarded, we need to have a good offer, but that offer typically to have it be at a high level value should be that to be, that of a specific niche. Well, if you're in a place where the niche is broad and everyone's there to fitness, but you've got 22 year old kids are putting biceps on, you've got 80 year olds who got a bad knee and they're going there for the elliptical. And then you got the 55 year old weight loss warrior. Um, How about do you go ensuring that you have a value proposition that is top-notch to everybody else without – you have to sort of be a generalist and then end up being a specialist. I mean, how do you go about doing that, especially with such a broad training team?
1: So it's like a buffet. You have, uh, you know, you go to the Mandarin buffet that we used to go to all the time. and eat far too, and eat an irresponsible amount of food. And you um, become there... friends with
0: the chef behind the <laughs> scenes. He makes steak when you walk in and he sees you. And then they tell you, you can't eat more of this and we'll make more. Yeah, no. Everyone, by the way, I'll tell you a really quick funny story We used to go to the Mandarin for lunch with Mario Consistently And Mario, if you remember seeing him He's a pretty large statured individual Just large enough that he stands it when he walks into a room and Everyone, very friendly as you can tell The Mandarin would always make steak for him Mario would also do one thing And I thought it was ridiculous at the time But I understand how it worked now Anyone here know Columbo, the detective that's kind of all bumbly and the, Well Mario would always get food on his shirt Always have food on his shirt Then he'd go back to a sales meeting, and you know that this gigantic, verbose guy is sitting in front of this person who's trying to sell somebody, and the guy sees the food on Mario's shirt, and you know he's not taking them seriously, and then Mario comes in, and he Columbo's him and puts him in prison, (laughs) and then sells him training. Anyway, Andrew's sales. I think that's that's okay. we'll, ca-
1: we'll call that the Columbo close. I love it. Thank you. Columbo <laughs>
0: you. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to interrupt you.
1: No, that's fantastic. That's why I love these calls. I forgot all about that. It's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, and, and I okay, so two things. First of all, you you and your team have done a great job of setting yourself up as a, as a significant differentiation, uh, a significant point of differentiation from uh, other providers in your area. And so when people come to your place, they know exactly what they're getting because you put the message out of exactly who you are. So there's no misunderstanding. So they're pre-qualified. They know what they're talking about. All they get, all they know what they're walking into. All they need to figure out with you is, are you, Brandon or Eric or Chris? Are you the right fit for this person? And these are, these are, for those who don't know, these are trainers in, the, um, in, in Brandon's organization there. So are you the right fit? That's the question, It's all that matters. Whereas when you're dealing with a generalist population at a a big box gym or something like that, we're dealing with educating people, not necessarily about their specific needs initially, but rather why do they need help in the first place? Okay, so again, this is about building that strong value proposition. And this is where those hard conversations come into place. Again, you alluded to, the 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 shock and awe uh, of walking into a place and and delivering a message perhaps perhaps one that people don't necessarily want to hear but they need to hear and being very direct and being very forward and perhaps being even a little bit offensive frankly sometimes just to generate the buzz and to to get things going and and really cr- like say, saying something shocking like you know uh, don't do cardio it's a waste of time. Okay, that's not true. We know that's not true. But when you when when you have to work really hard at stopping the inertia of that that pendulum and pushing it back the other way, you have to be shocking. So that's so that was the approach in these kinds of gyms. So when you're dealing with. Working in a gym setting as a trainer, or even on your own, trying to establish your own your own business, you need to be able to show and demonstrate clearly why do they need your service? Why don't I just buy a treadmill, put it in my basement, and use that? Why should I spend you know five, six, eight thousand, ten thousand dollars on you this year when I can spend two thousand dollars, three thousand dollars on on a treadmill and put it in my basement? You know, and, and eventually the most expensive towel rack I've ever bought, right? That's what it becomes. Uh, so this is the key, this is why. So this is where you need to be really clear. But as a trainer, you've gotta know your value, okay? So yeah. all the sales techniques we're gonna get into, that we're gonna get to in a second, they're irrelevant, they're useless if you as a trainer don't understand your own value. Okay, so I, so I have this. Uh, you've heard me say this before. A trainer tells. A good trainer demonstrates. An excellent trainer educates. So be an excellent trainer. And if you are an excellent trainer, your objective is not to develop a dependency, which some trainers often think that's their job or else they're going to lose their client. All that means, if that's what you're afraid of and you're trying to build dependency, it means you as a professional are not growing. Okay? So I can teach someone everything they know about exercise, but I'm not going to teach them everything I know about exercise because I'm constantly learning. Right. So there's value in that. So once you start to establish your own value and you recognize, hey, I'm a life changer. I'm going to change this person's life for the better. I'm going to make their life amazing. Okay? I'm going to make it so that every aspect of their life will be easier to handle. Every stress in their life will be reduced in, in, in relative intensity because I will increase this person's tolerances to those stresses, physical, emotional, all of them, just by virtue of my working life. So when you grasp that and you go into any presentation with that level of conviction, the sale is, it just happens. It's a, it's an organic process. Yeah. Okay. This is the hardest part. Look, I could teach you drop closes and Socratic closing methods and, and using price as a leverage. We can do all of that. And they work. But if you don't have the conviction to believe that what you are saying is hundred percent true, and that you are the best option for this person. You're going to get some, but you're not going to get those 40, 50%, 60% closing ratios, or like you, 80, 90%. You're not going to get that. right? You're going to get the 10, maybe 20, if you're lucky.
0: The conviction, okay? I think, is what you just said is like super, super key. <clears throat> uh, that's one thing that, I mean, in our little Fitness Pro Mentors community, there are so many really brilliant educators Uh, sorry, trainers, they are, and they're educators, they're top, top notch, and they have taken and invested lots of money in a lot of these programs. And it's it's it, it breaks my heart, because the whole reason why I started this program was because you and I know many people who are insanely great trainers, but cannot articulate the thoughts and can't share that and lack the conviction because they think, well, I'm not as good as this person. And they get Mm -hmm. kind of stuck in this world. And, and that's where I try to share that the science-based trainer, I mean, you got amazing things that you can do to change someone's life. And if you know exactly what it is that impact will have on someone else's life, and you can be verbose with that, then you absolutely should be. And I don't mean gratuitous and too much, but hey, listen, here's I do this thing. We do some motion, some exercise, some contractions, right? The features and benefits that cool. But here's what it means for you. If you make these changes, it's going to do this for you. And it's going to let you do this. And that cycle you're talking about where you're stuck working at the chiropractor and you feel good. And then it comes back and feels good. And come, we're going to get past that because we're going yeah. to condition your body to stay like that. Is that something you might be interested in? And then all of that, a sudden, yeah.
1: Boom. And that, that's exactly it. Again, th- this is the thing that... <laughs> You know, I remember years ago when we first did the um, the internship, the MAT internship, and we went through it. And, you know, I was noticing this, that, like you said, there were so many really bright people who we were surrounded by who weren't making a living doing this, which made no sense to me. And yet you see some other joker trainers online doing kind of things like hanging off someone's shoulders in, in the middle of the gym floor and doing things that like, we were like, what is that, you know? And they were doing well, not to take anything away from what they're doing, but it, it it was incongruous. It didn't make sense that you have this 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 one awesome trainer over here, and then over here you've got this other trainer who can't seem to make a dime, even though they're so bright. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 that conviction. Yeah. It's that belief in yourself. It's taking knowing that you are the best thing that could happen to this person in front of you. And if it seems that we're spending a lot of time on this, I want to be abundantly clear to anyone listening. This is it. This is the single most important thing you can do to improve your business, your sales, your closing. It's it's have the confidence in yourself because, again, it's the value proposition you're presenting. If you don't have belief in what you're presenting, then they're not either. Your prospect won't either. So one of the things I remember I went to one gym once and I, I was I was new and I I walked in and, and I, I, I do my shock and awe thing. Well, I take all the trainers, I take them on the gym floor and I just start talking about mechanics and exercise. Have you thought of this? Have you thought of that? Essentially, I'm taking their playbook and flipping it upside down. Okay? And the idea here is to get the trainers to start asking questions and to start appreciating that training. And this is another important one. Write this down, everybody. Training, personal training is not a commodity. You as a trainer are not interchangeable with another trainer, nor should you be. And people who treat training as a commodity, personal training as a commodity are not selling personal training. They're selling general training. They're selling protocol training. Training is not a commodity. You have to treat it as an individual process. So this is why I take them through and I start saying, these are the questions you have to ask. Did you consider this? Did you consider this? What about this? What about this person's concerns? You know, what are the rules? You know, we talk about that all the time. That's the trap. Hey, what are the rules to a swap? Oh, uh, feet wide apart. No, there's no rules. Forget about that. Let's go back, break it down from the beginning. And then when you start to get the trainer's mindset thinking that there's more to it, then their confidence builds up. So one of the things I say to them is, okay, I've established with my trainers here that I'm, I'm a fairly knowledgeable trainer. Who of you here could train me? I'll say to the group. And, you know, most people, they, they typically don't put their hands up. There might be one, you know, oh, I can train you. I can kick your ass. and I can Yeah, no doubt. I, of course. There's no question. But who could train me and actually give me benefit is what I said. And most don't. So then I say, well, here's the thing. All of you could. All of you could do it. As long as you're not doing anything contraindicated and you're careful and you're not hurting your client, the sheer act of making them show up and providing accountability through financial or or motivational means or whatever it is, that's beneficial. So I always say the worst trainer in the world, as long as they're not hurting their client, can provide benefit through virtue of accountability. So already you're providing a benefit, no matter what you think of your skill set. Right? Mm-hmm. And I got to be honest with you, sometimes, you know, people will sit and they'll talk to you, Brendan, they'll talk to Chris, and they'll talk to, you know, these other trainers, that the great trainers that we know of, um, and, and they get intimidated. Oh, I'll never, I can never do that. I remember being years ago when the first time I did the RTS program uh, at Strategics, way back with, with the late Scott Fornham, and Paul one of the guys there that worked with with our, our friend pete came out paul came out and he did this elbow extension or tricep extension and he was breaking down you know the, the opportunity for motion on every joint and every muscle and they we're sitting there going oh my god i'll never know that i will never be that good i'm just going to give up mm-hmm. but obviously you didn't and you realize oh it's actually kind of easy it's just words and paul would say that it's just words don't worry about the words it's just words. You know, anyway, so the point is know your value, and your value is tremendous. You don't have to have seventy-five letters after your name and degrees and all that. You don't need all that. You just need to be a caring, conscientious person who wants to do well and is careful. And is careful. Right? So So what's conviction? So I was going to say, so you get the
0: conviction you need and it's not as easy as it sounds, but have conviction that you are not a commodity, you are an expert level service and you can do something that is high level precision commodity get away from that. So you're not comparing yourself to other commodity trainers and that instantly will help to separate you, especially if you have the conviction of exactly how you can help people once you have that, you know know that you can help any person improve the quality of their life, get past that fear of, okay, look this 300 pound Greek guys in front of me. I'm not sure what I'm going to do with this guy. I can help him. You know, know that stuff. So once we have that confidence and we start moving to that next level, in your opinion, um, how would you say you start closing with your heart rather than your head?
1: So this is a big one. So close with your heart rather than your head. Um, Another story. Years ago, I worked with a fella who was, um, he, he, he just transitioned into fitness as a temporary career, which ironically, that's what I did at the same time, as a temporary career in order to, um, uh, you know, until something else came up. And this guy, he was a talker. He, he, could, he could sell. He was very emotional and, and therefore he could sell. He knew nothing about fitness like absolutely nothing about exercise science about mechanics about nutrition nothing. but he was so passionate he would get people to buy and they would buy and they would buy at, you know 30 40 50% closing 60% closing crazy closing ratios however however he would come back sorry that the, the, they would inevitably come back once the high of being around him more often they would cancel Okay, at a high cancellation rate.
0: Buyers remorse, nice.
1: Yeah, so here's the thing. When I say close with your heart, not with your head, what I mean is this. Be emotional, but mostly what I'm saying is you have to be, you have to care. You need to, the the person sitting in front of you has to appreciate that you are there to help them. You know, Mrs. Smith, over the next hour, however long we're going to spend together, I'm going to ask you a lot of questions. Some of them are going to seem rather personal and possibly even a little invasive. But I assure you, the reason I'm asking these questions is so that I can provide, so I can have all the information I need to give you the best possible recommendation and suggestion on how you can be successful. So the more honest we are with each other, the better this, this process is going to go. So do I have your permission to be really honest with you today, even if it means asking or saying things that might make you a little uncomfortable with the intention of helping you? Perfect. Yes, of course. Nice. Then to ask permission. Once you get that permission, you're good to go. Okay? So I've got that permission now. I'm, I, 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 they know what to expect. I've normalized the expectation. I've normalized the, the process. They know that we're going to get into some heavy stuff. Okay. And, and hey, I can't tell you how many times I've had people sitting across from me on the phone who break into tears because they're talking about some real stuff. And that's a good sign. That means they trust you. That means you've earned their trust. So treat it carefully. Okay, Proceed carefully. This is a big responsibility. We, we often talk about you know, our hands being put on people and putting force into bodies as being a tremendous responsibility. Yes, it is. But even before you get the chance to do that, you have to earn their, their trust by knowing that you care. Right. So number one thing is you must care about the prospect in front of you, about the person in front of you. I say prospect, I don't mean to dehumanize, I just, just, just so we know what we're talking about, but it's the person in front of you. You have to know Steve, you have to know Janet, you have to know, you know who they are, what they want. Because you're talking about them, number one, making a significant investment. Let's be honest, you know, five to $10,000, maybe more, that's a significant investment. It's not something you're just going to throw away. And also, you're talking about spending a year with this person intimately, physically, beside each other, touching and moving and being in their space. You have to earn that right before you ask for it. Okay, you've got to earn that right.
0: So I think that's great because I think that idea of asking for permission. Um, I've heard this from a few different worlds of sales, and I think it's one of the simplest thing uh, because I I love it too. I I don't know how you feel about this, but the whole conviction thing, I think that a lot of trainers, we talked about this before, they kind of get scared to ask these kinds of questions. Hmm. And so I think a really simple thing um, that I learned this from Greg Mack, and I think it's absolutely brilliant, is if you have some sort of insecurity or fear walking into the sales meeting, even just saying, hey, listen, can I ask your permission for something? I'm kind of nervous coming into this process. I'm relatively new to sales, but I wholeheartedly want to help people like you. So I'm going to ask some questions. But if I kind of seem nervous and stumble through this, is that okay with you? Do you mind helping me along the way? And it sounds like such a weird thing to say, but when I first started doing this, every time I got nervous about a thing, Like, I'll tell you a perfect example. I have this CEO client who runs a gigantic company, but by far makes the most money of any person that I know in person up close. And I told him, "I'm like, listen, um, you've had a lot of incredibly brilliant communicators in front of you, salespeople, lawyers. Um, I'm going to do some conversation stuff with you today so I can learn about what's going on in your world and see if what I do is the best fit for you or not. But I'm afraid you're going to catch me and it's going to seem like I'm trying to do something with you. Is it okay if I ask you some of these questions to figure out what's going on with you, even though you might know what I'm doing? and he said oh he started laughing he goes yeah that's absolutely great i don't know what do you think about that like asking for permission to not be okay yeah. in a
1: setting i think again it's it's about normalizing, normalizing. so it's about it's about laying out the expectation. say hey i'm a little nervous because because i'll be honest with you you're a little intimidating you know as a high powered ceo or you know or a surgeon or a physician or whatever yeah. i find that a little intimidating um so you know, I, I, I please bear with me I'm, if I stumble, if I if I kind of miss my words around it's I'm just I, just, I don't I, I want to do right by you, yeah. So please do so have your mission to be a little bit afraid, be a little nervous, and then what that'll do is that at any decent human being will be, Oh, come on, you know, don't worry, we're fine, we're all friends here, and then you just feel the, the, the pressure of the whole room just, yeah. just drops right down, right? And and remember, and I will say one thing though the easiest person to sell is another salesperson.
0: <laughs> this is true.
1: Okay. <laughs> because they know where you're coming from and they feel your pain. Right? <laughs> so the easiest person to sell is another salesperson. Always, always, always. Right? Yeah. So yeah, so that so that's keep that in mind. So it's perfectly fine to be nervous. It's it's always it's fact it, it's actually kind of endearing and, and human and humanizing and it makes it real. Because sometimes, and I've been guilty of this, you come off as too polished. And people, particularly Canadians, I will say this, because like, I've worked with Americans and Canadians and other cultures, but particularly Canadians, we're very, when someone's too slick and too polished, we kind of go, whoa, wait. You're, you're trying to pull something over on me. Yeah. Okay? So, and I know, again, in my even today, after doing this for so many years and, and you know, spoken to tens of thousands of people about sales. Um, I I, I tend to speak too much and I don't listen enough. So that's the other thing you have to listen. So ask your question and then shut up. So
0: on that note, you told me that there are some key questions that you think would be very important to ask anybody in a sales meeting. Would you mind kind of sharing Mario Mavridi's secret superstar questions?
1: Well, they're not so secret, but they're just, it's just, it's really what it is, is is—is—is how you ask them and what you do with the information, but I'm happy to share. Let's do it. So there's, there's four things that need to be determined before you can ask somebody for their money, okay, for the transactional exchange. Number one is you have to understand, once you've done it, sorry, these questions are, are asked, once you've done an intake, you address any medical concerns, and you've assessed whether or not this is a, an appropriate fit for you. Okay. I want to be clear. Stay in your lane. If this person needs a a medical professional or something to that effect or or something that's beyond your skill set, don't blunder through. Refer, refer. Okay. find somebody else. Say, hey, this is beyond me. I think you really need to go see a different professional. And this is how we're going to. And I know somebody or, you know, I recommend whatever the case may be. So assess that and then move on. Once you've done all that, you've explained what the process is going to be. You've built your rapport. That's the important thing. This is part of that normalizing process. You're explaining what you're going to do. There, I, I do have, I, I mean, I have a whole script for this as well, but we can't get into it now, do not have time, but I'm happy to share uh, if anybody reaches out to me. Um, so once you do that, there's the four questions. So the four questions are this. Number one, what are your goals? Simple. What are you trying to accomplish, Okay. Number two, what's your plan? How do you intend to accomplish these goals? We'll go through this, and then I will uh, go back and kind of expound on each one. Number three, challenges or obstacles this the, ver- the 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 verbiage here is very important why have you not accomplished these goals yet why have you failed okay this is where your this is where you sell your training and the fourth question and the most important one is why do you want to accomplish these goals So let's go back to the first one, goals. What do you wish to accomplish? Typically, people are going to say, oh, I, I, to be fair, most people in this situation are going to give you a process. I want to walk on the treadmill for half an hour. I want to lift weights for 20 minutes. I want to stretch for 10 minutes. I want to you know, walk my dog, whatever the case may be, to which I always say, listen, you, you, what you're telling me is a process. All due respect. If your process worked, we wouldn't be talking right now. So don't worry about the process. Let me worry about it. All I want to know is what are you trying to accomplish? And the fact of the, the, fact of the matter is, for most people, for 99% of the people who go to a gym or, or engage in some kind of fitness uh, regime, it's they want to look. They want to um, look good naked. That's the driving factor. It's aesthetic. They might say, oh, I want to be fit. I want to feel healthy. I want to do all these nebulous, ephemeral things. But ultimately, what they want to do is look in the mirror, feel good about what they're seeing, feel confident, and then get on with their day with that confidence.
0: You say nebulous, ephemeral? Is that what you said? Ephemeral, ephemeral.
1: Ephemeral. Nebulous (laughs) and ephemeral, yeah. (laughs) Because they don't mean anything. I want to be fit. Okay, relative to what? Right. I want to be healthy. Well, you know, the people that are convalescing in hospices right now, you're very healthy. So these are relative terms that don't mean anything, but we've accepted them. You know, we've accepted them just for the sake of the conversation, but you have to drill past. Again, you're not a commodity. Don't treat your prospect as a commodity. Understand, what do you mean you want to be fit? And when they start getting frustrated because they can't articulate it, Explain. Remember earlier when we said I'm going to ask you questions that make you a little bit uncomfortable? This is one of them. So I'm going to help you articulate this now. What does being fit mean to you? What does it look like? What are you feeling like? What are you, what dress size are you? What pant size are you? How much do you weigh? um, You know, body fat percentage. And then what you'll find that for most people, it's not about fitness. They're not interested in running marathons for the most part. Some people are. But really what it is, is they want to be able to wear their clothes be comfortable and not have things sagging not have things bulging here and there and they want to feel confident when they go to work or they go to a place with new people and they and they want to either command attention or not command attention by virtue of their size right see what I mean yeah so this is for most again I'm not saying for everyone and I'm not saying that's a universal statement but that's the vast majority of people that I've experienced in the last you know quarter century. So drill down there. What do you really want? You know, what's your body fat? I like to use a body fat percentage image, a a series of different levels of body fat, estimated body fats. What do you want to look like? I want to look like this. I want to be, oh, that might be too much. Is it really too much? Or is that you feel you? Don't tell me what you think you can accomplish. We already know that. It's what you are right now. That's unsatisfactory. Tell me what you want. I'll get you there. So you see already you're establishing your value. Conviction, yeah. Because they're, they're, they're second-guessing themselves. They're looking at this picture of this guy with a six-pack or this girl with this fantastic physique. And they're saying, I'll never look like that. Well, of course not. Not right now. You're not equipped to do that. But with me on your side, I'll get you there. I'll get you there. So what do you want? To well, the real
0: reason why they're there, getting them to use their own words to say it. And then once you start getting that, then you start building that authority and that connection that you can be the fulfiller of that thing that they've said that they want.
1: They are, they, now, at this point now, they're auto-edifying you. It's automatic. Hmm. Your edification of who you are is automatic because they believe in you. You've already told them you're going to get them there. So that's goals. Next, we go to plan. Okay, what am I looking for in plan? Frequency of training. Duration of training. How much time do they have per session? Are they going to work out on their own? What else are they doing? Are they swimming? Are they dancing? Are they, you know, are they uh, playing a sport? You know, whatever that is. Get all that down. You want all that information because you have to factor in your your time into that. If some, if if the person is saying, oh, I play hockey five times a week. I play and uh, on the other two days, I'm I'm running marathons. Uh, and my goal is, I want to gain 30 pounds of muscle. That's probably not gonna work. That's probably not gonna work. So you're gonna to have to say, All right, are you prepared to cut back a little bit on this or to replace some of those hockey sessions with strength training sessions? Or maybe you're gonna cut back on your running. So instead of doing full marathons, you're gonna do quarter marathon or you know, whatever the case may be. And all you're also prepared to eat a heck of a lot more food, right? So so this is the kind of thing, right? You have to get identify what they're doing. Or if they say to you, I want to gain, I want to lose. Um, 20% body fat, gain 10 pounds of muscle, but only I can only work out twice a week. Okay, that's going to be tricky. That's going to be tricky, and I only have two months. Okay, that's probably not going to happen. So we would need to have these kind of conversations to make sure the expectations are real and, it and makes they're sense being forward with a sale. Exactly. I mean, if they're if they're not willing to. It, if it's if they're coming from a position of ignorance, you can educate them and they can accept that. If they don't accept it and they insist, oh, but my buddy, he did this and he worked with some guy online, okay, then you go work with them. Good luck. Go ahead. Because it's just not reasonable. And I'm not gonna lie to you, I'm not gonna set you up for failure. It's not worth it for me. It. or if they say to you again I'm only going to work with you for three I had this recently I'm only going to work with you for two months and then I'll be set for what well I'll be fine I, I, I will accomplish my goal and that's and I'll, that's all I need so you're saying you're never going to work out again yeah I don't need to I'll accomplish my goal you know what I'm sorry if this, this your goal of yours it's beyond me I can't help you have a great day right I, d- I can't, I can't, I can't work with that. I, I've t- I have too many people to talk to you to waste my time on someone who is that, I, I'm not going to take my time to change that one. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't, but I it just wasn't worth my time. Not worth right. my time
0: either. Now, would you say yeah. that that's a challenge, like one of the challenges, or that's that's not a challenge. They think they can do something. So, I mean, getting into the challenge category, what kind of challenges, when you ask people, what challenges have you experienced to stop you from achieving your so, goal? What kind of things do you hear that's common? The number one
1: thing is time management. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People will say time, to which I say, you mean time management? Because we all have the same 24 hours. It's what we choose to do with those 24 hours that determines the outcome. Right. Okay. So, yeah, you know, if you're insisting on playing, you know, three, four hours of Candy Crush Saga every day, <laughs> then it's going to be tough to get in, you know, some workouts. I get that, plus everything else, you know, but there's, but some people are legitimately busy, in which case say, I, I understand, but this is the requirement so that you talk to them again again about normalizing and the realistic expectations. This is the requirement of your time. We can do it in two, three hours a week. It just means you're gonna have to be hyper-efficient. Three hours minimum to see some change a week. And your diet's will have to be on point, right? You're gonna have to be eating well. And also, so this is also where it's important to explain to people, in my opinion at least, long-term plans tend to be much more effective than short, intense bursts, bursts of activity. You know, I, I, I likened, uh, you've competed as well, and I, li- I liken it to the bodybuilding prep for contest. I said, yeah, hey, I can transform your body in three, four months. You'll look, you'll completely change, but you'll hate your life, your family will hate you, you have no friends, and you'll probably get divorced at the end of it. So <laughs> consider that, or we could take our time Oh, and by the way, and once you finish those three months, those four months, you're going to revert right back to what you were before. So rather than do that, let's take a year, do it slowly, make every, make sure everybody's happy, keep your marriage intact, and you get to keep your results. What seems better to you? And it's less expensive. What seems better to you? Right? I love it. That's perfect. So, yeah. And then so once you go over the challenges, like it says, time management, it's prioritization, it's you know kids, it's job take it all out of there, people will realize, you know, I can do this for me. And then that's a nice segue into the next question, which is the why. Why do you want to do this? And what I often do here is I actually try to dissuade them. And this is a little technique where when you take something away from someone, what do they do? They reach for it, they want it. listen brandon why do you want to do this i mean look you're young you're 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 decent shape you're married already you know why do you really want to change your body what's it about for you what's what's dry what's really driving this oh you know i uh i i go to work and my you know my i'm married yeah but i feel my wife isn't really paying attention to me or or I, i go to work and and I feel I don't get the respect that I, that I get from, from my, my, my coworkers. I'm really, I I don't feel confident. I take the subway back and forth. I don't feel confident on the train late at night. You know, I feel if I'm bigger, I might be a little more intimidating or I might feel a little more secure with myself, whatever. I want to go to the beach. It could be anything. I'm just throwing ideas up. These are all things that I've heard, by the way. Uh, But a lot of it comes down to, to feeling confident, feeling good about your, uh, but being in your skin. And, It's not vanity, which is a common thing. I've often heard that, that, oh, they dismiss it as vanity. It's not. Feeling, the one thing you can control is your body. The one thing you have absolute control over is your body. So why not exercise that control? Because once you do that, now you've got the confidence, the skill set, the mindset to start to affect positively everything else around you. Seems pretty obvious to me.
0: Seems pretty obvious to me too. Very obvious. I love it. I think those are great. So those four questions, uh, again, just very quickly are, what are your goals? What's your plan? How do you intend to accomplish those goals? And then challenges, why have you not accomplished those goals yet? Why have you failed? Why do you want to accomplish these goals? Um, So those are great questions. And I think that those four alone for anybody who's kind of getting into sales are a simple, I don't want to say simple script, but a simple question script, maybe perhaps to just get the ball rolling and start kind of diving deeper into those.
1: I mean, there's obviously a refine, there's nuances. And then there's, there's a a refining of the process on how to ask, what to ask, how to reply to those questions. And what I found again, in having, in having done this with something like 20,000 people is there's a finite number of responses. And and again, I guess it earlier about becoming uh, the risk of becoming formulaic. It's it's at the point now where I can I can predict what the person's going to say before they say it, and I've already started answering their question. And that's not good. Don't do that. <laughs> no. Don't do that. That's not good because it, it comes off as disingenuous. It's just again when you've done this so many times, you know where they're going because you've heard it, and it's you just want to expedite the process. But don't remember it's their first time. It's their first time. It might be your you know, 20,000 for 30,000th time, but it's their first. So let them experience it, don't rush it. The last thing, the last statement that's really, really important, and this isn't, I mean, this is a question, but it's its the answer does, it, what they say as an answer doesn't really matter, but you have to ask it anyway. All Mister right, Mr. M- Mr. Smith. We've gone through what it is you're trying to accomplish, you know, A, B, C, X, Y, Z. We've gone through the plan. We've gone through the challenges. And now I understand why you want to do this. The only thing I left me to understand is if we take out your fixed priorities, your job, your career, your family, take those out of the equation, how badly do you want to make this happen on a scale of 1 to 10? How bad do you want this? And I want to be clear. I'm, I'm saying, what what where in your priorities of things you're trying to accomplish this year does this fall? And if it's anything less than a 10, we're, you're probably not going to be successful. So they come back and they say, 6, 7, cool. So that means there's two, there's three or four other things in your life right now that are more important than this, than this, uh, than you accomplish your health and fitness goals. Yes, and then they say, oh, my kids, my job. Okay, I remind you, take those out. Those are fixed. They're not going anywhere. And in fact, if you do this, I suspect those relationships will improve. So, of goals you're trying to accomplish, like for example, let's say you wanted to learn calligraphy. You know, this year. Does that rank higher than your health and fitness goals? Oh, no, of course not. Okay, great. So where does this fall? And then most people correct it to a 9 or a 10. And I'm telling you, you have to get them to a 10. And the, the, the number one reason people don't get to a 10 is they don't believe they can do it. So it's simple. Mr. Smith, I'm not asking you how likely you are to accomplish this goal, I already know that answer. It's nil, right now. It's nil, because you would have done it by now. What I'm asking you is taking away any fear, taking away the lack of expertise, the lack of knowledge, the lack of ability, and just sheer desire, how badly do you want this? Okay, i Great, um, now what that means, Mr. Smith, is I'm going to do anything I can. And I expect you to do anything you can to make this happen. Yes. Yeah. Great. So that's a soft close. Does
0: that normalize the whole thing?
1: Normalize. It brought everything to a close. They agreed to everything I said. They said they're willing to do whatever it takes. Oh, so I get a little cheeky sometimes, mostly to entertain myself. Because, again, I've done this so often. So I say to them, okay, Mr. Smith, so you said 10 out of 10. So, and I'll draw circles and I'll, I'll point at it with the pen. So here's the thing, in a little while, when I present to you, when I tell you what you're gonna to need to do, you're gonna say no. Your first instinct is to say no. But here's the thing, before you say no, I want you to stop and think about this moment, what you just said, that you're willing to do whatever it takes to accomplish this goal. So I've soft closed. I post close and I prepped them for it right there. Okay,
0: <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Those are, I mean, those are big points, though. I mean, because you're, you're kind of trying to look at every layer of objection and trying to get on top of it before it happens, and then if it happens, even you know, try to take them through an exercise to have them pull themselves out of it rather than explain your way out of it, because if you're saying it, yeah. that's fine, but they'll forget it. It's, it's about what they say and their words to help pull them out of their own little trench there. So that's, uh, that's, exactly. yeah. that's powerful.
1: So you, you just write it all down and then guarantee. So I, I might say this as well. So Mr. Smith, one more thing, to keep in mind. At the end of this, when I gather all this information, and after we've gone on the floor, the gym floor, or we've done our, our, our workout together, I've assessed you mechanically, whatever the case may be. Um, I'm going to put all this together and I'm going to present I'm going to present to you how much training you're going to need because chances are I'm going to be recommending personal training okay and at the end of all of this like I said you're for, you're going to come up with a thousand excuses instantly as to why you're going to say no or why you're going to fail and these are the same old excuses you've been dealing with for your entire life But something brought you in to see me today and it's because you want to put an end to those excuses and actually accomplish your outcome, accomplish your goal. So I'm going to ask you to think about one reason, just one reason why you're going to be successful. Give me one reason and hold that in your head, in your head, hold that back in your mind. When we sit down, we start talking about what you have to do. You're going to latch onto that reason and the thousand excuses are going to go away. Okay, And so it's all about prepping i love okay.
0: this mario yeah. i got it i got it. two questions for you yes sir if there were one more like key point in the lethal sales <laughs> closing category of wisdom or something that you could share to people who are listening to this is there anything else that comes to your mind you've already shared a bunch of wisdom but is there anything that comes to your mind that we haven't talked about yeah
1: absolutely yes um don't don't beat up your clients don't okay? physically
0: don't, injure the client don't,
1: don't physically injure the client <laughs> Um, I was, I would, I remember very first day at a gym, um, out in Mississauga, big chain. And I was sitting there, I was talking to, um, uh, one of the other managers and, um, the assistant manager came back and decided, started sat in front of us and I go, Hey, aren't you supposed to be with, a, a, a prospect right now with a, with a lead right now? Oh yeah. She's in the bathroom vomiting. What? Oh well, yeah, I just you know I just I I pushed her. She vomited. <laughs> and, went, and you expect her to buy training? She hates you, man. She hates you. Why would she? Why? Oh, I just but I wanted to show her how strong, how how tough I could be. But you know she can't do anything. She's brand new. So be responsible. Don't hurt your clients. And 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 when you do, okay. I, here's the other thing. A lot of places, a lot of gyms, a lot of facilities, a lot of, of, of you know, um, fitness uh, professionals, they like to give a workout as a demonstration of their skills, which I think is important. However, I've never once given a workout, never once. All I've done is two, maybe three exercises, executed with massive precision, okay, and ask them, to compare what it felt like before and then after my intervention. That's it. And it's always going to be wow, that was totally different, so much better. So you can see imagine if you had every workout, every exercise, every set, every rep feeling like that. How much faster you get your goals? How much safer? Yeah, yeah. All right. This is why I'm so excited for you. So now let's go back. Let's sit down in my office. Let's get you set up with a trainer. Come on. I love
0: it. So here's my second okay. question for you with all this. Yes, yes. Uh, it's actually a much more simple one and I'm putting you on the spot because we're live. I'm working on a new website with a bunch of business training for our mentorship students and I'd love to go over some of this stuff a bit more formally in our back end yes. so we can have some of our students check this out who are new to sales. What do you think?
1: I, anything I can do to help you know, buddy. I'm here for you. Anything I can do to help, I'd love to participate. <laughs> any way to be part of it. To, to make. Do you remember, Brandon, when we first met, the one thing I said to you was, my goal is to raise the standard of this industry in any way I can. You're doing it. You you are doing it. And and that's a point of tremendous pride for me. So anything I can help with for that, I'd be more than honored to, to do that with you.
0: Well, I've said this before, and it heavily influenced by you shoving me in the right direction and putting me out in the lake. And, uh, I mean, I, fortunately, I swam the right direction and we're doing okay because <laughs> yes. uh, it could have gone that's the wrong way fast. But, Mera, um, this was... I, w- absolutely- I,
1: I, w- I wouldn't have let you go the wrong way, buddy. Don't you worry about that. Never let that happen.
0: <laughs> Mario, honestly, thank you so much for your time and your wisdom. Uh, I mean, please, anybody who's listening to this or watching this, please go back and re-listen. I mean, Mario, you've been doing this for decades, closing at a high level, and I think there's so many small pieces of wisdom. Even when people, you're talking about conviction, I don't think most people really understand the importance of yeah. having confidence to understand that you're not a commodity, that you are an expert level service, and you should be able to explain that in a way to folks, um, and that'll almost pre-sell you right in the door. So, Mario... Sure. I love you, man. Thank you so much.
1: Love you too, brother. Thank you, everybody. Cheers. Enjoy. Cheers. Okay. Now. <laughs> and please, anybody have any questions, reach out to me on Instagram. Uh, just my name, and uh, and we can we can take this further. Okay. All the best, everyone. Cheers. Take care. Cheers.